Okay, here we go. So, how does it feel to breathe without that thing on? It's... Wait. Ego. It's crazy. I... I can feel the air passing through my nose to my lungs, almost as if it was liquid. It flows so easily. Makes a difference from Mars, doesn't it? You can say that again. It's so strange to think that I'm going to be able to breathe outdoors now. I can't wait to see what it's like. Hang on a minute. Do you feel nauseous or dizzy at all? Any vertigo? No, 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 no. I feel, I feel... I feel good. Amazing, in fact. And and lighter, too. Do you remember what it was like when we first landed? We were, we were all so clumsy. To be fair, you'd gone from spending six months in cryostasis to experiencing gravity 62% greater than on Mars. You regained your bone and muscle mass remarkably fast for someone experiencing Earth for the first time. Well, luckily the ship's centrifuge did its job during this trip. Can you imagine if it hadn't? Hmm. Human jello isn't a great look. You would have made quite the impression on the Earthlings, though, that's for sure. You think? <laughs> even more than when they saw their distant alien cousins, who they didn't even know existed, disembarking from the ship? Definitely. No one here could have anticipated an invasion of alien jello people. <laughs> right. How much time do I have before we have to leave? Councilwoman Davenport has asked for the Earthlings vehicle to come and collect us in two hours. Perfect. That leaves me some time to gather my things and get off the ship to stretch my legs outside. Joanna DeLastra's logbook, five days after touchdown. Can you imagine what it's like to have the wind gently stroke your skin? Or basking in the warm touch of sunshine without burning? Now that I'm out of my suit and walking around Earth, I know what these things are like. It, it's funny. I've been imagining what these things might be like since I was a little girl, back when Ego used to tell me stories about it. And then later, while digging through the university archives when I was preparing my anthropology thesis. It's all good and well to understand our history, when wars were fought, the discovery of new continents and so on. But no one on Earth has ever taken the time to describe what it is like to live here. Probably because for a long time, nobody thought it would be possible to live on another planet and that there might be aliens being curious about life on Earth. And yet, here we are. Six months. Six long months of travel separate Earth from Mars. Mars. Home. My home. 
I would never have thought that one day I'd leave the safety of the pods on Gilly One. After all, it was Professor Haldway who was supposed to be aboard this ship, since he's the foremost expert on all things Earth-related. But then there was the sandstorm, and then the oxygen generator broke down, and... <sighs> Mars isn't like Earth. It's not as forgiving. And that's how I, Joanna, 30 years old, having patiently put up with Haldway's foul temper at the university for so long, found myself joining this mission only two weeks before takeoff. I know that I should go back to the ship and pack before we head out with the delegation, but I really don't want to go back aboard that bucket of bolts. I've been trapped in there long enough. And we still have to do the long journey home. It's so peaceful. Makes it difficult to remember the chaos we caused when we landed just a few days ago. <laughs> to be fair, the residents here weren't exactly prepared to see a ship from Mars land among them. And us? Well, with 150 years without any contact with Earth whatsoever, we hadn't really anticipated that there'd be a whole civilization still living here. At least both parties seemed equally shocked. Joe, I have an incoming message from Councilwoman Davenport. She would like you to join her to assist her with her speech. You can tell Mary I'll be right there. <sighs> would you look at me? Assistant to a member of the Martian Council? Who could have imagined? Haldway would have called me a traitor, but I actually really like Mary. She's the only one on this expedition who's as young as I am. Not only that, she's also the youngest member of the Council, too. And she's always been interested in the work Haldway and I were doing around the energy crisis that caused the Great Departure. The least I can do is lend a hand. After all, Earthlings and Earth Things are my domain. We might as well take advantage of this opportunity to try and make a good impression in front of the Council. I mean, we did manage to land in one piece, which wasn't easy. What an adventure. as soon as we enter the atmosphere. This is kind of making me wish I was still in cryostasis. It would have been a shame to miss the view of Earth from space, though. Can we see it? Already? Why didn't you say something sooner? Oh my. 
Ego. It's huge. Are you seeing this? It's absolutely massive compared to Mars. Gosh, it's beautiful though. Look, there's blue everywhere and brown and and so much green. Oh, the biologists will be happy about that. It looks like there's still a fairly well-developed floor on the planet. That's a good sign. Maybe we'll even come across some human tribes. Or as Haldway thought, they may even be pockets of civilization that have managed to develop the feudal system. Hey, Ego, can you show me a map of Earth, please? I'm not able to make out the continents. Right away. All right, let's see. Hmm. There. That's Africa. So up there, Europe? That's strange. The contours aren't quite the same. Ego, when's this map from? From the time of the Great Departure. But these changes aren't surprising, Joe. When your ancestors left Earth, sea levels were rising at a rate of several centimeters per year. That would have had an effect on the appearance of Earth lens masses. Oh yes, of course. I remember that from my time in the archives. It must have been terrifying. All those people forced away from their home because the melting of the poles was causing oceans to rise. Then there were cyclones and the droughts, not to mention the repeated climate disasters. The first Martian colonizers were right to leave Earth. There was no hope of survival. Seen from up here, it looks so tranquil. It's so different from what I expected, which is good. Maybe I'll find survivors who can help me retrace humanity's history on Earth after the great departure to Mars. Joe, I'm receiving a transmission from Captain McWills. You have a meeting with the whole crew for a touchdown briefing in the refectory in 15 minutes. Okay, thanks, Ego. In the meantime, I think I'll just stay here and take it all in for a bit. Oh, wait. It looks like the light is fading. That's because the ship is above the part of the Earth that's not illuminated by sun right now. Oh, that's night, of course. Well, we won't see anything interesting in the dark. Oh, hold on. Those little flashes of light in those clouds. That's a storm, isn't it? And there, at the poles, that green halo. The Aurora Borealis. Ego, it's incredible. I wonder what the other crew members think. I should go ask that. <gasps> Wait. Those spots of light on Earth. I hadn't noticed them before. Now that's night, I think that... No, no, no. That's not possible. What is it, Joe? Those are the lights of a city. A city? No way. And look! There! Another one. And another one over there. 
There are loads of them. Ego. I think there are still humans on Earth. And now, a short commercial break. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planet Promise, the podcast for people who are passionate about all things extraterrestrial. We've got an exciting episode for you today. Some of you will remember that at the beginning of this year, the DEPs started the recovery of satellite debris that was blocking spatial observation. As a result, humanity has once again been able to observe not only near space, but further afield as well. From what we've been told, there's strange solar reflection in peri-lunar space, leading experts to believe that it may be an artifact from, well, Mars. Nothing has been yet confirmed, but this theory puts into question the last 150 years of our history. Joanna de Lastra's logbook, five days after touchdown, continued. Neopolis. That's where we're going. Well, when I say we, really, it's just a few members of our expedition going as a delegation to meet our Earthling cousins in a more official capacity. Captain McWells will stay close to the ship with a few engineers to fix the damage done by the space debris orbiting Earth when we enter the atmosphere. The Earthlings were kind enough to connect the ship to their electric grid to help with the maintenance. The biologist will join us in town later. And me? I'm heading out with Mary and a group of human science researchers. I'm a little nervous. I mean, I know we've already met the handful of Earthlings who came to greet us when we first landed in that field, but this time... This time we're actually going to see a city. And not a small city either. We could actually see Neopolis from space as we made our approach. It looked like a snowflake seen under a microscope. There was something huge right at its center and a network of carefully organized branches that formed a border that almost created circles around that central point and we could see wind turbines around the outside of the city, a massive field of giant metal flowers that moved with the wind, which means that the Earthlings must rely on renewable energy a lot more now than they did before the Great Departure. But to what extent? Could they have solved the energy crisis? I want to understand why the city looks the way it does. It doesn't look like any of the examples I studied in our archives. It must have something to do with how humanity managed to survive after my ancestors left for Mars. I really want to know what happened here. I need to know, not only because it's my job as an anthropologist, but also because I don't understand how we could have spent 150 years on Mars thinking that our species had basically gone instinct back on Earth. Everyone was convinced. Myself, Professor Haldway, even the Martian Council. I need to find out what happened, and I'm going to do everything in my power to get to the bottom of it. Over.
to your rest pod. We wish you a pleasant stay in Neopolis. <sighs> I'm so happy to be off my feet. Oh, I can't even feel my legs anymore. I have so much to think about. My random access memory is starting to fill up as well. The digital stream on Earth goes so much faster than on Mars. I feel like a smartphone from circa 2000 by comparison. Do you have enough room to manage another logbook entry? I'm so tired though. I could probably wait till tomorrow, really. Of course I do. Come on, Joe. No excuses. Let's go. All right, okay. So, Joanna Delastra's logbook, day five after touchdown, continued. <sighs> and very probably the last entry of the day. We arrived in Neopolis in a flying vehicle. After having spent all day in a ship with the constant sound of rattling machinery, it was strange to travel in a hydrogen-powered vessel. It was totally silent. I almost fell asleep in there. Luckily, Mary was there to keep me awake once we got into the city. I don't even know where to start when it comes to describing Neopolis. I guess I'd say there's a lot of green everywhere. All the buildings are covered in vegetation in some form or another. There are trees on balconies and terraces, greenhouses that look like they're balancing on the tops of buildings. And the buildings, they shine as if the roof and sides were covered in mirrors. But the most impressive thing is the massive tower that sits in the middle of the city, the one we could see from the ship during landing. When the sun shines, and depending on where you stand, the reflections make it look like the city is being engulfed in light. But of course, what we saw weren't mirrors on the buildings. They were hundreds, no, thousands of solar panels. It only confirmed my suspicion. The Earthlings have adopted a new energy model. Arriving in a flying vehicle allowed me to see that all of the city's biggest ground roads seemed to converge at the huge tower at Neopolis' center. But we definitely weren't alone in the sky over the city. The driver of our vessel explained that taxis and public transportation used dedicated air corridors to make their way around town, and that they're all powered by hydrogen. The ground roads are reserved for personal or private transport. All of this is so new to me. On Galley 1, everything is done on foot. The only vehicles ever used to leave the pods are rovers. And the spaceships, of course, but... <sighs> anyway, the flying vessel dropped us off on the roof of an enormous golden building shaped like a spiral. This is where the assembly that makes decisions for the city convenes. Kind of like our council on Mars, but with a lot more members. Our delegation was greeted by a small group to avoid intimidating us, I imagine. But after some initial awkward hellos, everything went pretty smoothly. Ego didn't even need to translate. I mean, the language has definitely evolved a little since the Great Departure, 
and the inhabitants of Neapolis have a funny accent, but it's, it's more or less comprehensible. Though they keep saying that we're the ones with the funny accent. <laughs> I guess it really all depends on your point of view. Mary and I chatted a bit with Valentine, a delegate from the Neapolis Assembly. She was very interested in my work and had lots of questions about Mars. But Mary wanted to get to the business of understanding whether our crew would have somewhere to sleep and conduct our research. As she likes to say, there's a time and place for everything. And that's how I wound up up here, in this room, staying in apartments usually reserved for delegations from other Earth cities. Except that I, I come from a little further away than they're used to. I haven't seen much else since our arrival last night, but Valentine promised that she'd give me a tour of Neopolis tomorrow. She insists that we start with the Estrapi, that giant tower in the middle of the city. Apparently, it's the energetic heart of the city, which makes it the perfect place to start my investigation. Oh, I can't wait to discover this place, but right now, I think I'd rather sleep. <sighs> Over. <sighs> I wonder what Haldway would have thought of all this, about the fact that we found a human society as developed as our own here on Earth. Maybe even more developed. <laughs> The Earthlings were fascinated to see us arrive from Mars. As if we were aliens armed with futuristic technologies that allow us to cross the galaxy in a blink of an eye. As if we'd come from some eerie, incredible, unimaginable world. And if they could see Mars. If they knew the frigid hell we've come from. If the earthlings only knew the real reason we're here. Good night, Joe. Sweet dreams. 